There we go. Matthew chapter 9. A little review from last week. We saw that Jesus sets the captives free, and that is so exciting to me. He cares for people that are bound. He cares for people that are bound. And he sets these two men free from the enemy's control. We saw that Satan's purpose is what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's what he likes to do. That's what his purpose is. And he had robbed these two men of so much. But Jesus came along and he set them free and gave them a brand new life. Brand new start. Restored them. I love what Jesus said in the second half of that verse. Uh, John 10, 10, he says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. He's come for you and I to have life and have it to the full. So often I think that we just are are so focused on so many other things. And I'm I'm reminding myself more and more often that, that what am I focusing on? What am I thinking about? And I find that it's on so many other things. And so I'm missing out. I'm really kind of taking for granted all that Jesus has done in my life all that he wants to do in my life, and I'm, I'm focusing on all these stupid things like Justin was talking about, all these dumb things that don't, that don't do anything for us. Now, I have a little problem when he starts, you know, railing on Oprah, but, you know, <laughs> there is a battle, though. There is a battle in Satan, in the demonic world. There's a battle, and, and we need to fight that good fight. And we can't do it on our own strength. We saw that in those verses in Hosea. We cannot do it on our own strength, with our own strength. But in the name of Jesus and with the armor of God, we can. One verse I was talking to someone afterwards last week, and and, and this person was giving some testimony. It reminded me of that verse in Revelation 12. It says, "Where, where they overcame him, that is Satan, the devil. It says they overcame him by two things, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. The, the, the blood of Jesus Christ is so powerful. And you and I have that access to the blood of Jesus Christ. So we've been washed by his blood. We overcome the enemy through the cross, through the blood of Jesus Christ shed for you and for me. But also by the word of their testimony that, that you and I have a testimony. Now, it may be that you know, our testimony is in a little bit of a shambles and we need to get our lives together so that we have a testimony uh, you know, we're not going to defeat the enemy by the testimony that says, well, you know, I was drunk last night or, you know, I was, you know, stumbling down the street or I was in this place or that. But that's not a testimony that is going to help us defeat the enemy, right? The testimony is that, that I've been seeking after God and God has done a powerful work in my life. That's the testimony that will overcome him because 1 John 4, 4 says, and I like to, I remember this because it's a 4-4, four, four, it's like a 44. <laughs> you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. It's a 44. The one who's in you is greater than the one that's in the world. One thing I wanted to clarify before we move on is this. I mentioned the name Lucifer last week and a few people uh, spoke to me because it's also translated in Isaiah 14, it's it's also translated as morning star. And a few people a little concerned like, oh, what do you mean? We go to morning star books, you know, the bookstore and whoa, wait a minute. Well, 
Well, what the deal is, let me explain to you this. That in the New Testament, Jesus called the bright and morning star as well. But what the deal is this, and this is the kind of the picture of, of the enemy, is that he is a pretender, you see. He wants to be. And it's kind of spoken sort of uh, sardonically or, or, or um, the other word I can't think of right now. Um, all those things, you know. <laughs> He is a pretender. He wants to be like God. And that's what we saw in those verses. He wants to be God. He wants to be like God. And so for him, he's not the true bright and morning star. But he wants to be. But he can't be. We see the, the Bible says, you know, Satan masquerades what? As an angel of light. You see. It's a masquerade. We can't believe it. We can't follow it. We, but, but just know that, that, you know, it's not always going to come at you like, you know, like I said with the, the pitchfork and the red uh, suit and the little horns and all that. He might come saying, wow, well, I got some great spiritual stuff for you. We got to watch out, be on, our, be on our guard. So does that clear that up for you? Okay, good. Let's move on. Matthew chapter 9, today forgiveness and healing from God the Son. We've seen, we've seen His authority as King, His power over sickness, His power over nature, His power over evil spirits, and now His power to forgive and heal. Look at verse 1. It says, Jesus stepped into the boat, and He crossed over, and He came to His own town. And some men brought to Him a paralytic lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, He said to the paralytic, Take heart. Son, your sins are forgiven. He gets to this place, Capernaum, where really kind of his base of operations was, and, and he called it home, although he didn't really have his own house, his own place, nowhere to lay his head, as we've seen. But he gets to this place, and it says in, we have the parallel accounts in, in Luke and Mark, that he was preaching the word in this place, in this house. It could have been Peter's house. We don't know for sure. It doesn't say. But he was preaching the word to them. And, and uh, you know, again, the threefold ministry of Jesus, preaching, teaching, and healing. He's always, he's always involved in doing those three things. And, and I believe he's still, uh, those three things are still uh, applicable today to preach the word, to, to teach the word of God, and to, and to get and go to him for healing. So it says there in this account here in Matthew, it says that some men brought him, brought to him, to Jesus, what, a paralytic. This is like intercession. Talk about intercession. This is what I call intercession with action. It's one thing to sit at home and I'm going to pray for my uncle Joe and, you know, we're praying for him and that's a good thing. Don't get me wrong. Don't misunderstand me. But they could have done that too. They could have said, let's just pray for our friend and but they, they went beyond that, you see. It was intercession with action. They actually took the guy, they, they got the stretcher, they made one or they got one or they went to the, you know, borrowed it from the ambulance and, and they got it to carry this guy. They physically, it says there was four of them. They carried this guy to Jesus. It's this intercession with action. You know, we, we pray for people on our own, but sometimes I think we need to do more. We need to, like, go to them. Maybe talk to them. Maybe open our mouths and ask God to, to fill us with his words that we might actually share with people. But again, what keeps us from doing that? What's the big word? Fear. fear. We're afraid. But these men, they had no fear. 
They said, we're going to go to Jesus. We're going to take this man to Jesus. We don't know what he's going to do, but we know that he's the only one that can help them. This man was paralyzed. He couldn't do it himself. These people that you and I pray for, how many of them cannot do it for themselves? They're blinded by the, the darkness. You know, the enemy has blinded the eyes of those that do not believe. They can't even see. So for you and I to actually do something, it takes a little bit of courage. Yes, it does. But you know what? When we start stepping out in courage to follow Jesus and to bring people to Jesus, things happen. Things can happen. You know, uh, you know our friends here from, from India... David and Jippy, you know, they, they got their friends together for a birthday party. And they all came. Birthday party, hoo-hoo. But they said, you know what? We're going to also preach the gospel because so many of them are, are not believers. They stopped the birthday party to preach the gospel. I mean, we don't do that. When was the last birthday party you went to? You stopped the party and said, hey, I want to just share a little bit of something with you. It's about Jesus. You know what I'm saying? This is, this is intercession with action. This is doing something about it. We may not always get it right, but are we willing to step out? Are we willing to try? Are we willing to do something that, that will affect them eternally? These particular guys now, Luke and Mark add, um, <clears throat> They actually went to this house, and you know this account if you've read the rest of the Gospels. They went to this house, and there were so many people in the house, right? So what did they do? They went up on the roof, and in those days, you know, you, there was uh, at ladders and different ways to get up. They went up on the roof, and they started dismantling the roof. They started tearing the place apart. Now, maybe the owner of the house saying, you know, this um, intercession with action is just a little bit too much. Who's going to fix this mess? And maybe you're going to create a little bit of a mess when you do that. But, but you know, they, they were so determined to bring this person to Jesus Christ. They did whatever they had to do. They, they lowered him then. They must have had some kind of ropes and they would lower him down carefully right in front of where Jesus was. Can you imagine, like if this, you know, you know all of a sudden we're, we're talking here and, and, and all of a sudden this thing starts moving and, and someone's up there in the, um, the attic and, and they say, you know, we can't get down there so we're going to lower him down. Can you imagine what would happen here? Well, it would make a mess and I'd have to clean it up. <laughs> but, but you see the determination, well, I'm going to bring this person to Jesus. We're going to bring him together and maybe... Maybe it is that we do things together so that we encourage one another's courage. And the four of them that said, well, you know, well, I can't do it by myself. Well, I can't do it by myself. But together, the four of us, we could do something. Together, we can have an outreach in the parking lot. Well, I might not have the courage to go stand in the parking lot and wave people and, and you know, say, come in here for some free coffee, a free hot dog. But when we get a group of people, we, we were out there, we were having a blast because we were doing it together, you see. And we had courage. We lifted one another. You go on a mission trip, you get a group of people together. You work together and you get fired up. And you're, you're doing things you would never do by yourself somewhere else, you see. There was this determination. It was important. They needed to do it. They needed to do it then. And they believed that Jesus could do something. Do you believe in Jesus? Has he done anything in your life? 
I mean, if, if, if you don't have a testimony that Jesus has done something in your life, well, then obviously you're not going to try to bring someone to Jesus because why? Well, he hasn't really done anything for you, so why would you tell someone else about him? So, so it gets back to what is he doing in my life? What, you know, what kind of relationship do I have? Am I seeking the Lord? Am I breaking up that unplowed ground? And, 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 and then, but to go to them and say, you know what? Your testimony, your, your testimony of what God is doing in your life. That's, that's really where I think we all start. It, like, Jesus is, do, is doing something in my life. And I, I, you know, can I pray for you? Because, you know, God has helped me. Can I do anything for you? Jesus has helped me, and I just want to encourage you. He's encouraged me. You see, it starts with our testimony, with who we are. But look what it says there in verse uh, 2. It says, when Jesus saw their what? Their faith. He saw their faith. Now, we, uh, you know, we uh, in America, I think <clears throat> maybe everywhere, we say faith is like that's a, no, that's a private thing. I keep my faith to myself. It's a private thing. Well, these guys, they had faith, but it wasn't private, was it? They were willing to let anybody and everybody see that they had faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus saw their faith. Everybody around them saw their faith. Are we afraid that somebody might see that you have, that I have faith? And again, maybe our lives are not what they should be, and we need to like get it together so that we're not ashamed of the gospel, but for let, to let people know I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, and I don't care who knows. It's okay to let people know. To let people see that I'm a believer, it's all right. Jesus saw their faith. It was obvious, it was visible, uh, visible, and their actions showed it, their lives showed it, their words showed it. And so he, he responded, and what did he do? He said to the paralytic, take heart, son. Your sins, have, <clears throat> excuse me, your sins are forgiven. Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. Jesus spoke to the man. He responded to their faith. He responded to their intercession with action. He responded to their determination. And I believe he does that for you and me too. When, we, when we're willing to step out and do something, Jesus is there. He's saying, wow, this is cool. I'm, I'm, I'll, yeah. And what does he do? He speaks to this guy and he tells him to take heart. And I, I'm sure that for this particular guy, this paralytic, he had lost heart. He had lost hope. And how many people are there around you and I that they just have lost heart? They've got no heart. They've got no hope. It's like, wow, this world is beating me up. And I need some heart and some hope. Jesus says, take heart. And how does he do that? How does he, how does he give him that courage, that hope, that help? Number one is this. He says to him, your sins are what? Forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. This is the number one need. They brought him there. Why? Because he was paralyzed. But his number one need, and Jesus always knows what our number one need is, because that was his number one purpose. When he came to the earth, he says, you know, that he, he came, his time had not yet come. He had a purpose that, that, that was, you know, he was marching towards, and it was the purpose of the cross. But your, need, your deepest need and my deepest need is to be forgiven. He could have been healed physically, right? First. We're going to see he was healed physically. But he could have been healed physically and only physically, but what good would that do in the end? 
Because later on he would still die and be separated from Christ, from, from God forever and ever and ever. That's what the Bible teaches. How much better is it to be forgiven of our sins first and maybe heal later, but, but if, we're, if we're forgiven of our sins, eternity is now open to us, you see. It's not so important whether we're healed physically or not because we're healed spiritually, internally. Our hearts are healed and we have hope for eternity. That's number one. That's number one. You might have a physical ailment and that's, it's consuming you and you want to see Jesus do something for you, but, but if you're not healed on the inside, it's no good to be healed on the outside. It's not going to do you any good e- eternally, long term. Our greatest need is to be forgiven. David says this about forgiveness. He said, blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him. That's the kind of thing that I want. I want to be blessed like that. And, and, and coming to the cross of Jesus Christ now, when, when we come to the cross and we believe in Jesus Christ, we are washed from our sins. We are made a new being, a new creation, the Word of God says. But there's also a sense, I think, too, that you know, as we go along in life, we, we kind of blow it. We're all still, we've got this sinful flesh that we're fighting against. And, and, you know, but the Word says if we, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to what? Forgive us our sins. See, He's willing to, He, he washes us completely and totally, but there's still that ongoing thing. But the, the psalmist says this, If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? How many of us could stand? Well, I've only committed one or two or three, you know. One keeps us out, okay? Sin separates us from God. But he goes on to say, he doesn't stop there. He says, but with you, there is forgiveness. With you, there is forgiveness. Have you stopped and thought about that? Taken the time to think about what it means to be forgiven of all of our sin? to be forgiven by Jesus Christ, to, to have the, the, the way opened to heaven through the cross. This, of course, here, now Jesus is looking ahead to the cross. He's looking ahead to the cross. Later, he would say in Matthew 26, you know, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, what? For the forgiveness of sins. He says in Luke, he says that this is what is written. He says, the Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. That's the message. That's the gospel that we can be forgiven. Acts chapter 10 says, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Not everyone's going to be healed, but, but everyone who believes will receive forgiveness of sins. Do you have that? Have you believed and trusted in him? Isaiah said, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. There's a radical thing that happens through the blood of Jesus Christ, through him forgiving you and I. Why am I spending so much time on this? Because this is the message, folks. This is what we have to share. 
This is what has impacted my life, what has impacted your life, if you have believed and received and are following after Jesus Christ, that number one, first and foremost, that he has forgiven us of our sin. He came to this man. Jesus said, you know what? Take heart. Your sins are forgiven. Maybe you and I have been forgiven, and, 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 but yet, you know, we've lost heart. We've lost, you know, that hope, and, and, and we've lost sight. I, I think we, we need to get back to the basics and focus again on what, what it is that he has done for us. We began our discipleship group and a study, and, and it's like the basic discipleship, the most important things, but it starts off with what it means to be born again. And, and I was looking at it, reading. I've been born again for 33 years, but I'm looking at it, reading, and it was, like, it was like I'm thinking about, what does it mean to be born again? And, and is this something that I've just taken for granted? You know, uh, you know that I've lost the, the, the fire of what that means and, and, and how that's affected my life? It doesn't take long for you and I to begin to think about how far the Lord has brought us. You know, I just, you know, I I think back to my family. I think back to the past and things that who I was, you know, it's unbelievable to me. It is unbelievable to me that Jesus could do something in my life. But he has. He has. The psalmist says, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Micah says that that he would hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. He's forgiven us. He's got them away from those sins as far as the east is from the west. How, if you start traveling east, do you ever get there? No, you can't get there. Into the depths of the sea. There are parts in the depths of the sea that man cannot go. We cannot go. Of course, uh, Corey Ten Boom says, you know, when we confess our sins, I said, God casts them into the deepest ocean, gone forever. Then God places a sign out there that says, no fishing allowed. We sometimes start fishing and we bring those things and the enemy's got a, you know, a lot of line. He's pulling these things back up. But we get back and we, we, we confess, I am washed and cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. He has forgiven me of that sin. I no longer need to carry that around on my back as the guilt and shame. He's taken it from me. I have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Do you have it? Do you have that forgiveness of sin? Look at verse 3. Let's move on. It says, At this, some of the teachers of the law, they said to themselves, This fellow is what? Blaspheming. You say, what? What is that all about? Well, Mark and Luke add the, the, the sentence there that they also said, who can forgive sins but God alone? You see, so for him to be saying, your sins are forgiven, he was equating himself with who? With God. That, because see, God, only God can forgive sin. We forgive one another But we can't really wash someone else of their sin. We can't forgive them totally and completely. 
You and I, we, you know, we do our best, and I think it is a very, very powerful thing for you and I to walk in forgiveness. And, and, but this message is not about us forgiving others. That's a different message. We need to forgive others. And when we're walking in unforgiveness, it binds us up. But to be forgiven by God, that's the message here. Forgiven by God. And so they were, they were looking at him and going, like, who do you think you are? They said that over and over again. In John chapter 5, they said that, that you know, they, they tried, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Says that the Jews, he says, we're not stoning you for any of these, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. I can't stand these people who say that Jesus was not God the Son, that he was not deity. I mean, you, you, you have to like cut out so many parts of the Bible. The Jews knew exactly what he was saying, who he was proclaiming himself to be. But in the end, do you know what the public cause of his death sentence was? This very thing, blasphemy. It says that in Mark chapter 14, he says the high priest they, they asked him some questions. Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed One? He said, I am. And he said, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One coming on the clouds of heaven. Jesus said these words to the high priest. It says the high priest, he tore his clothes. He says, why do we need any more witnesses? He asked, you have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And they all condemned him as worthy of death. The death sentence was given. Why? Because he claimed to be God. Because they said he was, he was blaspheming God. He couldn't be anything other than who he was, though. And then he went to the cross. Look at verse 4. It says, knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? This is one of those verses you kind of want to skip over because you don't really want to think about the fact that Jesus knows what we're thinking, right? He knows what you're thinking right now. I do not. Okay, thank God for that. <laughs> but the fact is, he knows the thoughts of man, it says in Psalm 94. In, in Hebrews 4, it says that nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. He knows. He knows if you're thinking about, you know, where you're going after church, he knows it, you know, what you're thinking about for lunch. You're thinking about all these different things. He knows. Okay? If I had a laptop here, I'd probably get an email right now telling me what, you know, so I could point these things out. But look what he says there. He says, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? It matters. What thoughts we entertain in our hearts. There's, a, there's such a thing as the renewing of our mind. The Bible talks about that. What are we filling our minds with? What are we entertaining our thoughts with? Is it all the garbage of this world? You know what? It's getting worse. It's getting worse. And do we just fill our minds and, and, and go along with it just because that's all there is? Well, that's not all there is. We have to make choices. What do we entertain in our hearts? The psalmist said, I've hidden your word in my heart 
that I might not sin against you. Paul the Apostle said, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I think, I think so many times we are beaten down, we're pushed down, we have no heart because we're filling our minds with, with stuff that, that are just, it's just garbage. But if we would fill our minds with these kinds of things, we, we, you know, God could lift us up. I believe that, I truly do. I think the Bible teaches it. Look at verse 5, we need to finish here. It says, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But so that you may know, that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Get up, take your mat, and go home. It's just as easy, truthfully, to say one or the other, right? It's just as easy to say it, right? Oh, your sins are forgiven. It's just as easy to say, oh, you know, get up and walk. But it's not so easy to do those things. But Jesus Christ, the Son of God, He was able to do each one. He as God could do each one. And ultimately, though, when you think about the first to be forgiven of our sins, was that an easy thing for him to do? No, it was the cross. It's not an easy thing. You, you, you just read the end of the, the Gospels. You find him in the Garden of Gethsemane. Not an easy thing to do. But he did it because he loved us. He did it because he had the authority, he had the power, he had the right to do it. The Son of Man came. Finally, verse 7 and 8, he says, And the man got up and went home. And when the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God who had given such authority to men. He was able to do both. The man got up, the man was healed. First, he was was healed spiritually. His sins were forgiven, but he was also healed physically. The man got up by the word of Jesus. He was healed in both of those ways. And you and I, it's the same. By the word of Jesus, not by any man's word, but by the word of Jesus, you and I are, are forgiven of our sins. You and I can be healed in so many different ways. Jesus has that authority. The Son of Man came to do that. And He can do that for you and for me. So I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to come for prayer. I want, I want, to, I want you to know, first of all, that, that you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Your sins are forgiven, washed. That's number one. And any other need that you might have, come and ask for prayer. Come and ask someone. Maybe just you don't want to come up here after church, even though nobody's really going to notice. Or maybe you can stop the person next to you before they go, like Justin was saying, and say, can you just pray for me? I'm like... I'm like, whatever it is. Psalm 32, I I, I quoted to you what David said, you know, that, you know, how blessed he was when his sins were forgiven. But but it goes on to, to say in those verses, he says, when I kept silent, when I didn't say anything, when I kept it to myself, he says, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. And for day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then, he says, I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And he says, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. 
See, David, he was talking there about when he had tried to cover it up and keep it a secret. But when he finally went to the Lord, and he was kind of confronted, right? You know the story. But he was confronted, and he came to God, and he said, that's when, that's when the floodgates of heaven were opened. The forgiveness came. The freedom came again to his life. Before that, he was all bound up. He was in, he was in a bad place. Maybe that's you or me. We need, to, we, need to, we need to stop the hiding, stop keeping quiet, and go to the Lord. We come, like the song we're going to sing now, we come just as we are. If you need prayer for anything, come, please. Let's pray together right now. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, first of all, that, that uh, explains to us, that shows us about your Son, Jesus Christ, that he is God the Son, that he is divine, that he is a fully God and also fully man when he walked on this earth. And yet he had such a heart for people who were hurting, such a heart for the lost, and he saw this man and he, he forgave him of his sin and he healed his body. And you, Lord, are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you want to reach into our lives. Father, we come. We come to you just as we are. Sinful, broken, hurting, lost, depressed, so many things, anxious, fearful, because you are the only one that can do anything. You are the only one that can help us. We come and we lay ourselves at your feet and say, Lord, here am I. And Father, I, I also pray that you would begin to mobilize us as an army together to bring people to you, to intercede, but, but also have action, to bring the lost to the Savior, to Jesus, to see what he might say, to see what he might do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.